Chapter Twelve of Shorty McCabe by Sewell Ford. This LibriVox recordings in the public domain. You'd most think after that I'd cut out of the country for a while, but say, I'm getting so I can stand a whole lot of real breathing air. Anyway, I put the studio on summer schedule, and every Saturday about noon I pikes out to Primrose Park to see if me estates growed any during the week. Well, the last time I does it. I drops off about two stations too soon, thinking a little outdoor legwork would do me good. It was a grand scheme, and I'd been all right if I'd followed the trolley track along the post road. But the gasoline carts was so thick, and I got the breathing so much gravel that I switches off. I takes a nice-looking lane that appears like it might bring me out somewhere near the place I was heading for. But as I ain't much on finding my way where they don't have signboards at the corners, the first thing I knows, I've made so many turns I don't know whether I'm going out or coming back. It was while I was doing the stray act and wondering if it was going to shower or was only just bluffing that I bumps into this incubator bunch, and the performance begins. For a squint I took, I thought somebody'd been setting out a new kind of shrubbery and then I sized it up for a lot of umbrella jars that had been dumped there. But pretty soon I sees that it's nothing but a double row of kids all dressed the same. There must have been more than a hundred of them, and they was standing quiet by the side of the road, just as much at home as if that was where they belonged. Now, it ain't the regular thing to find any such aggregation as that on the back lane, and if I'd had as much sense as a family horse in a carry-all, I'd shied and rambled the other way. But I has to get curious and see what it's all about, so I blazes ahead, figuring on taking a good look as I goes by. At the head of the procession was a lady and gent holding some kind of exercises, and as I comes up, I notices something familiar about the lady's back hair. She turns around just then, gives a little squeal, and makes for me with both hands out. Sure, it was her. Sadie Sullivan, that was. Well, I knew that Sadie was liable to be floating around anywhere in Westchester County, for that seems to be her regular stamping ground since she's got the traveling with the country house set. But I wasn't looking to run across her just then in that company. Oh, Shorty, says she, you're a lifesaver. I've half a mind to hug you right here. If it wasn't for giving an exhibition, says I, I'd lend you the other half. But how does the lifesaving come in? And where do you collect so many kids all of a size? Is that Pop there? And I jokes me thumb at the gent. Captain Kenwoody, says Sadie, I want you to know my friend, Professor McCabe. Shorty, this is Captain Sir Hunter Kenwoody of the British War Office. Woody, says I, how goes it? Charmed to meet you, I'm sure, says he. Oh, splash, says I, you don't mean it. Well, say... Here was a star. His get-up was something between that of a mounted cop and the leader of a Hungarian band, and he was as stiff as if he'd been dipped in the glue pot the day before. I'd heard something about him from Pinckney. He'd drawn plans and specifications for a new forage cap for the British Army, and on the strength of that, he'd been sent over to the States to inspect belt buckles or something of the kind. Talk about your cinch jobs. Those are the lads that can pull him out. On his off days, and he had five or six a week, 
Woody'd been ornamenting the top of tally hoes and resting up at such places as Rocky Wold and Apawamis Arms. Seems like he'd discovered Sadie, too, and had booked himself for her steady company. From her story, it looked like they'd been taking a little drive around the country when they ran up against this crowd of kids and checked dresses from the incubator home. There was a couple of noises hoiding the bunch, and they'd all been sent up to sound on an excursion barge for one of these fresh-air blowouts that always seems like an invitation for trouble. Everything had gone lovely until the chowder barge had got mixed up with a tow of coal scows and got bumped so hard that she sprung a leak. There hadn't been any great danger, but the excitement came along in chunks. The crew had run the barge ashore and landed the whole crowd, but in the mix-up, one of the women had backed off the gangplank into three feet of water, and the other had sprained an ankle. The pair of them was all to the bad when Sadie and the cap came along and found them trying to lead their flock to the nearest railroad station. Of course, Sadie had piled right out, loaded the nurses into the carriage, telling the driver to find the next place where the cars stopped and come back after the kids with all the buggies he could find while she and Woody stood by to see that the incubators didn't stampede and get scattered all over the lot. So here we are, says Sadie, with all these children and a shower coming up. Now, what shall we do and where shall we go? Say, says I, I may look like an information bureau, but I don't feel the part. Sadie couldn't get it through her head, though, that I wasn't a Johnny on the spot. Because I bought a place somewhere in the country, she thought I could draw a map of the state with my eyes shut. We ought to start right away, says she. She was more or less of a prophet, too. That thunderstorm was getting busy over Long Island, and there was every chance of it coming our way. It lets loose a good hard crack, and the Englishman begins to look worried. Oh, I say now, says he, hadn't I better jog off and hurry up that bloomin' coachman? All right, run along, says Sadie. You should have seen the start of that run. He got under way like a man on stilts, and he was about as limber as a pair of fire tongs. But then, them leather cuffs on his legs, and the way his coat hugged the small of his back wasn't any help. I was enjoying his motion so much that I hadn't paid any attention to the kids, and I guess Sadie hadn't either. But the first we knows, they all falls in behind, two by two, hand in hand, and goes trotting along behind them. Stop em, stop em, says Sadie. Whoa, cheese it, come back here, I yells. They didn't give us any more notice, though, than as if we'd been holding our breath. The head pair had their eyes glued on the captain. They were the leaders, and the rest followed like they'd been tied together with a rope. They was all goyles, and I guess they averaged about five years old. I thought at first they all had on aprons, but now I sees that every last one of them was wearing a life preserver. They had tied the things on after the bump, and I suppose the noises had been too rattled to take them off since. Maybe it wasn't the sight to see them bobbing up and down. Woody, he looks round and sees what's coming after him and waves for him to go back. Not much. They stops when he stops, but when he starts again, they're right after him. He unlimbers a little and tries to break away, but the kids jump onto the double quick and hang on to him. I knew what was up then. They'd sized him up for a cop, and cops was what they was used to. 
You've seen those lines of home kids being passed across the street by the traffic squad. Well, having lost their noises and not seeing anything familiar looking about Sadie or me, they made up their minds that Woody was it. They meant to stick to him until something better showed up. Once I got this through my nut, I makes a sprint to the head of the column and gets a grip on the cap. See here, Woody, says I. You're elected. You'll have to stay by the kids until relieved. They've adopted you. Oh, I say now, says he. This is too beastly absurd, you know. It's a bore. Why, if I don't find some place or other very soon, I'll get a wetting. You can't go anywhere without those kids, says I. So come along back with us. We need you in our business. He didn't like it a little bit, for he figured on shaking the bunch of us. But he had to go, and when he came right about face, the procession did a snake movement there in the road that would have done credit to the 7th Regiment. I'd been looking around for a place to make for. Off over the trees toward the sound was a flagpole that I reckon stood on some kind of a building, and there was a road running that way. We'll mosey down towards that, says I. But we can make better time, Captain, if you could get your party down to lightweight marching order. Suppose you give the command for them to shed them cork jackets. Why, really now, says he, looking over the crowd kind of helpless. I haven't the faintest idea how to do it, you know. Well, it's up to you, says I. Make a speech to em. Say, that was the dopiest bunch of kids I ever saw. They acted like they'd one more than half alive, standing there in pairs and quiet as sheep, waiting for the word. But that's the way they're bringing them up in these homes, like so many machines, and they didn't know how to act any other way. Sadie saw it and dropped down to her knees to gather as many as she could get her arms around. Oh, you poor little wretches, says she, beginning to sniffle. Cut it out, Sadie, says I. There ain't any time for that. Unbuckle them belts. Toin the cap and get on the job. You're in this. As soon as Woody showed em what was wanted, though, they skinned themselves out of those canvas sinkers in no time at all. We left the truck in the road, and with the English gent for drum major, Sadie in the middle, and me playing snapper on the end, we starts for the flagpole. I thought maybe it might be a hotel, but when we got there, the road opened up out of the woods to show us how near the sound was. I see that it's a yacht club, with a lot of flags flying and a whole bunch of boats anchored off. About then, we felt the first wet spots. They've got to take us into that clubhouse, says Sadie. We got as far as the gates, one of these fancy kind, with the hood top over the posts, like the roof of a summer house when the sprinkler was toined on in earnest. Woody was getting raindrops on his new uniform. He didn't like it. I'll stay here, says he, and bolts under cover. The incubator kid swings like they was on a pivot and piles in after him. There wasn't anything to do but stop under the gate, seeing as the clubhouse was a hundred yards or so off. I snaked Woody out, though, and made him help me range the youngsters under the middle of the roof. And when we got him packed in four deep, with Sadie squeezed in, too, there wasn't an inch of room for either of us left. And was it raining? Wow! You'd thought four eights had been rung in and all the water towers in New York was toying loose on us. 
and the thunder kept ripping and roaring, and the chain lightning streaked up like the finish of one of Colonel Plain's exhibits. Sing to them, shouts Sadie. It's the only way to keep them from being scared to death. Sing. Do you hear that, Woody? says I across the top of their heads. Sing to them, you lobster. The captain was standing just on the other side of the bunch. He got the front half of them under cover, but there wasn't room for the rest. So it didn't do him much good, for the roof eaves was leaking down the back of his neck at the rate of a gallon a minute. Only foo foo fancy, says he. I don't foo feel like singing, you know. Make a noise like you did then, says I. Come on now. But really, I can't, says he. I n- never sing, you know. I say, that gave me the backache. See here, Woody, says I, looking as wicked as I knew how. You sing or there'll be trouble. Hit her up now. That fetched him. He opened his face like he'd swallowed something bitter, made one or two false starts, and strikes up, God save the king. I didn't know the words to that, so I makes a stab at everybody works but father, and Sadie tackles something else. For a trio, that was the limit. The kids hadn't seemed to mind the thunder and lightning a whole lot, but when that three-cornered symphony of ours cut loose, they begins to look wild. Some of them was digging their fists into their eyes and preparing to leak brine, when all of a sudden... Woody gets into his stride and lets go of three or four notes that sounded as if they might belong together. That seemed to cheer those youngsters up a lot. One or two pipes up, kind of scared and trembly, but hanging on to the tune. And the next thing we knew, they was all at it, giving us my country tis of thee in fine shape as you'd want to hear. We quit then and listened. They followed up with a couple of good old hymns and... If I hadn't been afloat from my shoes up, I might have enjoyed the program. It was a good exhibition of noive, too. Most kids of that size would have gone up in the air and howled blue moida, but they didn't even show white round the gills. Inside of ten minutes it was all over. The shower had moved off into Connecticut where maybe it was wanted worse, and we got our heads together to map out the next act. Sadie had to say, she was for taking the kids over to the swell yacht club there and waiting until the noises of someone else came to take them off our hands. That suited me, but when it came to getting Captain Sir Hunter to march up front and set the pace, he made a strong kick. Oh, by Jove, now, says he, I couldn't think of it. Why, I'd been guest here, you know, and I might meet some of the fellows. What luck, says Sadie. That'll be lovely if you do. You come along, Woody, says I. We've got our orders. He might have been a stiff-looking Englishman before, but he was limp enough now. He looked like a linen collar that had been through the wash and hadn't reached the starch tub. His coattails was still dripping water, and when he walked, it sounded like someone was mopping up a marble floor. Only fancy what they'll think, he kept saying to himself as he got under way. They'll take you for an anti-race suicide club, says I, so brace up. We hadn't more struck the clubhouse porch, and the steward had rushed out to drive us away when Sadie gives another one of them squeals that means she sighted something good. Oh, there's the Dixie girl, says she. You must have em bad, says I. I don't see any girl. 
the yacht, says she, pointing to the end of the dock. That big white one. It's Mrs. Brinley Cub's Dixie Girl. You wait here until I see if she's aboard. And she goes off. So we lined up in front to wait, the incubators never taking their eyes off and Woody, and him as pink as a sportin' extra and saying things under his breath. Every time he took a hitch sideways, the whole line dressed. All hands from the club turned out to see the show, and the rockin' chair skippers made funny cracks at us. Ahoy, the nursery, says one guy. Where you bound for? Ask Papa, says I. He's got the tickets. Woody kept his face turned and his jaw shut, and if he had any friends in the crowd, I guess they didn't spot him. I'll bet he wasn't sorry when Sadie shows up on deck and waves for us to come on. Mrs. Brinley Cobbs was there, all right. She was a tall, loppy kind of female, ready to gush over anything. As well as I could size up the game, she was one of the near swells with plenty of guilt but not enough sense to use it right. Her feelings were in good working order, though, and she was willing to listen to any program that Sadie had on hand. "'Bring the little dears right aboard,' says she, "'and we'll have them home before dark. "'Why, Sir Hunter, is it really you?' "'I'm not altogether sure,' says Woody, "'whether it is or not.' And he made a dive to get below. "'Well, say, that was a yacht and a half, that Dixie girl, "'and inside of her was slicker than any parlor car you ever saw.' While they was getting up steam, and all the way down to the East River, Mrs. Cubs had the hired hands lugging up every eatable they could find, from chicken salad to ice cream, and we all took a hand passing it out to the incubator bunch. They knew what grub was, yes, yes. There wasn't any holding back for an imitation cop to give the signal. The way they did stow in good things that they'd probably never dreamed about was enough to make a man wish he had John D.'s pile and Jake Ree's heart. I forgot all about being wet, and so did Woody. To see him juggling stacks of loaded plates, you'd think he graduated from a ham and factory. He seemed to like it, too, and he was wearing what passes for a grin among the English aristocracy. By the time we got to the dock on East 34th Street, there was more solid comfort and stomachache in that cabin than it'll hold again in a thousand years. Sadie had me go ashore and telephone for two of them big rubberneck wagons. That gave us time to get the sleepers woke up and arrange them on the dock. Just as we was getting the last of the kids loaded in for their ride up to the home, a roundsman shows up with two cops. Where do you kids belong? he sings out. With that, there comes a howl and a whole bunch of yells. Hot potato, cold tomato, alligator, Rome. We're the girls from the incubator home. Caught with the goods, says he, turning to Captain and me. You're arrested for wholesale kidnapping. There's a general alarm out for yous. Ah, back to the goats, says I. You don't think we look nutty enough to steal a whole orphan asylum, do you, Rounds? I wouldn't trust either of you alone with the brick block, says he. And your side partner with the Salvation Army coat looks like a yeggman to me. Now will you be a nice cap, says I. At this Sadie and Mrs. Cubs tries to butt in, but the roundsman had a head like a chopping block. He said the two noises had come to town and reported that they'd been held up in the woods and that all the kids had been swiped. As Woody fitted one of the descriptions, we had to go to the station. That was all there was about it. 
and say, if the Sarge hadn't happened to have been one of my old backers, we'd have been put in the night with the drunken disorderlies. Of course, when I tells me a little tale, the Sarge give me the ha-ha and scratches our names off the book. We didn't lose any time either in hitting the studio where there was a hot bath and dry towels. But paste this in your Panama. Next time me and Woody goes out to rescue the fatherless, we takes along our raincoats. We've shook hands on that. End of chapter 12